What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Fridays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal, not Chris Schmidt in today as Chris got uh, the afternoon off today out watching his son play some baseball. So good luck out to Junior uh, in today's tournament. Not not the best season for Junior's team, uh, at least according to the results Schmidt's told me. Maybe Schmidt's just a downer, but uh, hoping for the best this weekend. Sitting in alongside uh, Will Wilson. Will, did you think we'd start off the show today by dissing a uh, 14-year-old <laughs> baseball team? <laughs> I, I don't like how you said we there, okay? I didn't say anything about Schmitty's son's team, okay? I believe those words were just out of your mouth. Uh, I think Schmitty's team is great. Uh, Schmitty's son's team, excuse me. I think they're going to do great out there. And, uh, yeah, good luck to them. Yeah, so Schmitty's son playing basketball yesterday. They got the win today out playing some baseball, so quickly changing up some sports for the Schmidt family. Chris going to be back in tomorrow morning for the Saturday morning edition, and he's going to be back next week as Chris and I are going to be up at Zipline in Omaha ahead of the College World Series Monday and Thursday. That means you, Will Wilson, are going to be in next Monday and Thursday as well producing. So we got the Dream Team coming up next Monday and Thursday uh, for our College World Series coverage up in Omaha. It's going to be a good week. That is going to be super excited. Sad I can't be up there with you guys, but uh, you guys are going to have a great time. Games kick off tomorrow, baby. See, th- this is just the uh, the payback for whenever you and Hooksy go down to Longwells for March Madness, and I'm stuck at the uh, yeah, yeah, stuck at the yeah. station producing. It's, you're uh, right. You're right. We're my, even now. It's my turn. It's my turn. Yeah, but a fun show planned today as we've got Derek Peterson here in about 15 minutes talking Husker football as well as his Oklahoma City Thunder as they made a big deal this morning getting Kimball Walker from the Celtics. We're going to have Derek Peterson in here in about 15 minutes to talk about that. And he actually sent in a text this morning. Uh, We'll see if he holds to it. But he did, in fact, say that he will only answer questions about the Oklahoma City Thunder rebuild today. Anything else is off limits. So Mm. we'll see if he's, he sticks to that one, but we are going to have some Oklahoma City Thunder questions for Derek as well as some other playoff thoughts. Coming up in Hour 2, we're going to have the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, coming in from Denver. We're going to talk a little bit of a Olympics and if eating, what, what is it, a, a pork burrito mm-hmm. could really influence a positive PED drug test. That's going to get right. Bill Dolman's thoughts on that as well as some Christian McCaffrey news. Uh, that was from earlier this week. And then at 525, going to welcome in Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith to talk about a big recruiting weekend for the Huskers as well as the Huskers' newest commit, Ashton Hayes, which is where we're going now. If you got any thoughts for the show today, though, give us a call, 402-466-3776. That's 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Give us a follow at Herbal Essences for me and for Will. Give, give the people your Twitter. I, I didn't yeah, come prepared with that. It's all good. It's at Willie on the radio. 
Thought Hope so. everything's so. good with everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in. You can also give a, uh, a follow to the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page at ESPN Lincoln. So we'll be posting the highlights from today's show, all the interviews, uh, and uh, the two-minute drill up on SoundCloud. We're going to be posting that up on the Twitter page, so to stay up to date with the show. Follow Hale Varsity on Twitter and follow at ESPN Lincoln on Twitter. But I said we were going to Ashton Hayes. He is the newest commit in the Huskers class of 2022. Yesterday on the show, we talked with Nevada Sportsnet's Chris Murray. That interview is posted up on ESPNLincoln.com as well as the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page as Chris Murray broke the news that Ashton Hayes would be committing to Nebraska. And, and, and what I want to get into here to open the show is one of the things we heard from Chris Murray. And that's from his conversations with Ashton Murray. It's at the Huskers were very upfront. Uh, sorry, with Ashton Hayes, excuse me, from his uh, his conversations with Ashton Hayes, that the Huskers only really wanted one back in this class, and that uh, Ashton was not running back number one on their board. He was actually running back number two behind Justin Williams, the athlete down in Georgia. We've been talking about for a while. Who really? I mean. Reminds me of Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin's been turning heads uh, in the spring here, and that's who Justin Williams reminds me of. And he's pretty clearly target number one for this Husker coaching staff. But now that number two's in the boat, the question becomes, do the Huskers turn their attention elsewhere in recruiting? We're going to get Greg Smith's thoughts on this here in about an hour. But I want to turn here first for the show because – the running back room has been a big position need for this Husker football team. If you haven't noticed that, you probably haven't been watching the Huskers. I mean, running back's been a problem ever since what Divine and Zigbo left. You, you can even go back to when Amir Abdullah left. There hasn't been a, a bell cow running back you can turn to that lives up to the the standards that we would expect from a Husker running back. And, and that's been the, the pitch to these running back recruits is that Nebraska is up there in terms of running back. You, most running backs drafted. Uh, there's three running backs currently on NFL rosters. And Amir Abdullah, Rex Burkhead, and Divine Zigbo. Uh, so we do know that the Big Ten is, is a fertile place for running backs, and, and Nebraska specifically can be a fertile place for running backs with some of the history here. But the question becomes, why has the land gone dry in the past five years? Is it because the Scott Frost coaching staff isn't bringing in the right types of players? Is it because the offensive line isn't able to, to build any holes? But when, when, when quarterback is your top rusher, I mean, combined between Adrian and Luke McCaffrey, it wasn't even close. Like, Adrian and Luke yeah. I mean, had, what, double the yardage that all the running backs in the roster last year had combined? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. it, it's been a serious problem. So uh, it's, it's good to see the Huskers turning their attention there, but it, it seems strange that they limit themselves to only one in this class. It is, um, and I, I don't think they're going to limit one to this class. Uh, that that uh, Williams kid, is Justin Williams, that's his name, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he's a good player. And I mean, you look at this uh, Ashton kid's highlights. Yeah, I mean, he, he's trekking kids, and he can move. Uh, but, you know, we don't know what the competition like is there. This guy in Georgia, you know, he's playing Georgia high school football. He's a four-star uh, you know, he's got schools like West Virginia looking at him. I mean, this kid's for real. So, I mean, I think the coaching staff would definitely rather have one of their top targets uh, still come on the team if, if he wanted to. See, and I wonder if this is some sort of error in translation from Hayes to the reporter to us, because it, it doesn't seem to me like Hayes is the type of every down back that Nebraska is now looking for. The, uh, I'm talking the, the marquee step. I'm talking the, I mean, even Divine and Zigbo. Uh, just the, the type of guy that you can give it to three straight plays and get a first down the type of guy that has the, the body to, to last in the Big Ten we've seen how Juan Dale lasted in, in the Big Ten and the answer there is oh, not well let's not forget um, 
Mo Washington. Okay. You know, I, I know his time was short, but I, I do believe he was going to be something special here. He he uh, seemed to be the best of both worlds. Oh man, he could hit the outside like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, he was he was great, but you know, obviously didn't work out. Um, but you know, uh, these running backs still have confidence in these coaches that they could get them to the NFL. You're hearing a lot of that from these guys, especially that Ashton guy. He said he knew this was his place, especially after uh, you know going out in the town and. With uh, Cam Taylor Britt and Latte Brown, hearing all those, uh, hearing all these people yell at football players' names, he said that was cool, and that's mm-hmm. one of the big things why he came here. But one of the things he he said uh, to Brian Munson was that he like was told by the coaches that they see a role to him similar to what Nebraska did with Maurice Washington and Wandale Robinson, which involved a lot of swing passes, a lot of usage in the the passing game, and I wonder if. They're saying, yeah, we're, we're, we only want one guy for that duck R spot. If they only want one guy in this class to be able to be that guy who can kind of play slot receiver and running back at the same time. Because it doesn't seem to me like he's the the Yant body type, the marquee step body type, that seems to be finding success at Nebraska. I mean, you, you saw yeah. the, the, the spring for Jacquez Yant, and it's because of his body type. You can give the ball to him three, four straight plays, and he can go take it up inside against Big 12 D Or sorry, excuse me. Ooh, that's one in the swear jar. Big 12. Wow, that's, I haven't heard of that in a while. That was gross. I'm sorry for that one. That's uh, The Big 10 D linemen and the, the Big 10 linebackers, Wandale didn't hold up well when they tried to put him in that role last year. And uh, it's not like Ashton Hayes is that much bigger than Wandale. I think about two inches taller and about 15 pounds heavier at the moment. you got to think they're going to put a little bit of weight on him. But he doesn't seem to be that six foot two 230 pound wrecking ball that nebraska has been moving more towards no uh, and that's a little bit more of the role that justin williams fills i know he's only about six foot six foot one um, but he is over that 200 pound threshold so it, it makes more sense if the coaching staff is saying hey we want you for our duck r spot and we still got one more for our true running back spot yeah. so i'm wondering error in translation possibly um but then again Maybe the Huskers like what they have in a guy like Jacques Yant, and they think he's going to be the future of the running back position for the next three years, and then they only want that one duck our guy because you already have that spot filled. I mean, that could be a, another place that we go here too. I also don't think the coaching staff would have allowed Hayes to commit if they were only wanting one running back. You look at his highlights, he could play that, that duck position you're talking about. So, you know, he, he could catch passes at shows. So, yeah, I bet you you're exactly right. So we'll, we'll get Greg Smith's take on this here next hour. Again, Greg Smith coming up about 525. He's going to preview the uh, Friday Night Lights camp coming up tonight, as well as the uh, official visitors that are going to be on campus this weekend for the Huskers. Again, that's coming up at 525. But right now, I, I want to turn a little bit towards college football expansion uh, before we get uh, Derek Peterson in here next segment, because a, a lot of the college football playoff expansion talk has been about, I mean, rightfully so, the college football playoff itself, what it's going to look like with 12 teams, mm-hmm. uh, what more inclusion is going to look like. Is it going to hurt the college football uh, season whenever you can have 10 and two teams potentially making it into the college football playoff? But I want to turn a, a little bit of a different direction, and it's something I've found during this four-team college football playoff era, and that's that the other bowl games just don't have the same fanfare that they had during the BCS era. It, it was so much more special for those New Year's Six Bowls to have their own days. It was between the conference champions. You had two teams, 
generally both conference champions that would sit out of that New Year's Six because they're saving themselves for the national championship game. Uh, usually it was Alabama against and, and you're, somebody. You're excluding but, but, but the those, Rose, right? Yes, I'm, I'm excluding okay, that. Okay. Yeah, but, but but the Rose Bowl was still fun. It was still the Big 12 champion against the Pac-12 champion. Uh, you still had the Sugar Bowl was fun. The SEC champion against, I believe, the ACC champion. I love the Sugar Bowl. Like you, There were still fun games galore, but now the problem's become, since we've moved to this four-team college football playoff, that half of the year... The Rose Bowl isn't between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. It's between the college football playoff uh, semifinalists or the Sugar Bowls between the college football playoff semifinalists. And then, oh, guess what? The Fiesta Bowl, that's not the Fiesta Bowl anymore. That's the national championship game. So it takes away half of your fun New Year's Six Bowl games. And I know that they've been putting these college football playoff semifinals on New Year's Day, which has been a, a great time. I enjoy that. But I think they're taking away from the fanfare of the other bowl games by taking away three of the six most historic bowl games every single year that the people want to see. I, I want to see the Big 12, the top team from the Big 12, I guess that's not in the college football playoff, going up against the top team from the Pac-12, not in the college football playoff, in the Rose Bowl like it's been. I want to see that competition, and whenever that gets taken away from the Big 10, well, I mean, do I want to see the Big 10 playing in the Sun Bowl? Not really. <laughs> in the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Not really. I don't care to see like Wisconsin was one of the better teams in the in the conference last year and they got stuck on a December 29th bowl game in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Well, and like, that, that that's not a bowl that's up to their level because no. the Rose Bowls got, got taken away because of the college football playoff. Yeah. So it sounds like you're you're in favor of the playoff expanding like you're, you're cool with it it sounds like because uh, in yeah. those those bowls you're talking about the cheese it bowl the mayo bowl the papa murphy's bowl you know the foster farms bowl the only reason those are a thing is for money you know and so uh, you're saying you wouldn't be fine or you'd be fine with those just going away i wouldn't be fine with those going away i just wish that the top teams in each conference were playing in a bowl game that was up to the level that they deserve Let's well, be honest. That's like, tough to do. Like if Nebraska were to go, hypothetically here, if they were to go at ten and two next season and lose in the Big Ten championship game to Ohio State, ending their season at ten and three, that's probably not good enough for a uh, college football playoff berth in the fourteen playoff. I mean, and it's probably not even good enough in a twelve team playoff. However, usually that would mean if Ohio State's go into the college football playoff or the BCS as it was previously, that mean Nebraska would go to the Rose Bowl and would fill the spot of that that top Big Ten team to make it. Mm-hmm. However, you're disrespecting Nebraska by sending them to the Duke's Mayo Bowl because nobody cares. Nobody cares about having a Duke's Mayo Bowl trophy in the trophy cabinet at exactly. Memorial Stadium. No, you can make you make a great point. Yeah, and expanding the playoffs gives them that you know that chance to prove that they are that, that team. That, but I, I just want to see that the fact that these teams that miss the college football playoff can still get into a, a bowl game that matters. Keep the college football playoff separate from these traditional bowl games that we've all known to grow and love. Mm. I don't know if I can agree with that. You, you know the other way. Well, I just I feel like then those bowls are going to lose their relevance, their importance when you're putting teams worse than the teams that usually play in it. So you're saying if you hold out the top 12 teams in the country, then those that say that Rose Bowl, that Sugar Bowl is going to take a dive in quality because it's worse teams and then it means less? Yes, it will. I, I disagree with you because I think of the history. I think of the history of the Rose Bowl. You still have the Rose Parade. It, it's still a big deal to go and win the Rose Bowl, even if you're going and beating a 9-3 and team from the Pac-12. Just because it's still, I mean... Well, you know, it's not going to happen because there's something going on with the Rose Bowl about moving dates. They don't want to move. In order for the playoff to use the Rose Bowl as a game, they would have to move a date. 
Mm-hmm. And the, the Rose Bowl, like, corporation doesn't want to do that. They don't want to move. So something could be happening there. I mean, I mean, this, there was a, an article in The Athletic. Uh, this is by Scott Docterman, I think, um, discussing just what would happen. And some of these bowl directors have been saying, like, we can't make a comment on this. Uh, we don't want to make a comment on this. We don't know enough. Uh, but there was a comment from... Uh, let's see. Uh, the Alamo Bowl executive director, Derek Fox. He says, we're certainly excited to be part of the postseason going forward. Now you have more access for teams. You have an expanded chance for teams to be in the playoff. And from that perspective, it goes from four to 12. You have a chance to win it on the field and you have it within the bowl system as well. I think it's a good model that's been put forward. So some of these bowls are excited about the prospect of having a 12 team playoff. Um, but I, I just wonder is, is the college football playoff going to become the only thing that matters in the postseason. That's, I guess, my concern here. Um, whenever, whenever I boil it down at the end of the day, it's that the only people are only going to care about the 12-team college football playoff and every other bowl is just going to be thrown to the wayside. Okay, yeah, and I think that's going to happen, and you think the solution to that is saving the New Year's Day bowls as something separate than the playoff. Yeah. Okay, I could, I could get with that. I, I, I can see how that would work, but I still don't want it to happen. Okay, it only took me four minutes to get to the to, to boil down my argument to its simplest form. I get it. Um, but I don't know. It's something to monitor going forward. I just don't think that the college football playoff should be the only thing that matters in the postseason. I think you got to keep the other bowl games uh, as important as they were previous to the uh, the college football playoff system. We're going to get Bill Dolman's thoughts on that. Maybe or sorry, Derek Peterson's thoughts on that, as well as some Oklahoma City Thunder news. That's next. Hail Varsity Radio. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back in on a lovely Friday afternoon, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. I say lovely because, well, it's not 105 degrees today, so you can always smile about that. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. So we're getting you ready for the weekend here on Hail Varsity Radio again. Chris Schmidt will be back in tomorrow morning for the weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. That's tomorrow, but right now, I'm excited to welcome in a resident Oklahoma City fan, Dr. Petey Derek Peterson. He read his work in Hale Varsity Magazine. And, and Derek, I, I had to throw in Oklahoma City fan first because you've got to be smiling today. Kimba Walker and a first-round pick going to Oklahoma City. How do they keep doing it in the trade market, man? Sam Presti's a wizard. That's how. <laughs> Sam Presti, I think he's the longest tenured now uh, general manager in the NBA. Um, Presti's a wizard. And, and Presti, we trust. I mean, how many first-round picks is it for you guys in this upcoming draft now? Is it like six first-round picks, five, something ridiculous? In this upcoming draft, uh, we've, so we've got 16 from Boston. I think depending on how the ping-pong balls fall, we could have like one and five, um, five being our own pick. Uh, Houston is outside the top four. We get that Houston pick. If they are inside the top four, we get the Miami pick, which might be like 18 or something like that. Um, so we could have, we could have three or four, uh, or we could have two or three. But we certainly got the ammo to move up. 
I mean, it, it seems like the, the Thunder could be the team of the future because uh, with that, that young core of uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Lou Dort, and Isaiah Roby, they now get a veteran presence in the mix in Kimba Walker. But I guess the question to you is, is does Kimba Walker stick around or is he going to be, you know, maybe playing for the Thunder for a year and then flip for a first-round pick a la Chris Paul? Like, like what do you think the, uh, the trajectory is for, for Kimba Walker with, with the Thunder? Is this a long-term deal? I like how you included Isaiah Roby in the uh, comment on their young core. Um, yeah, you know, it, it depends. Kemba Walker's future depends probably on what happens at, at the uh, the draft lottery, which is really um, going to be a big, big night for the Thunder. You know, I see I see people talking about on Twitter with each passing trade that the Thunder makes that they're it's, it's almost diminishing returns with all the first round picks that they're adding because they're not going to be able to use all of them, blah, 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 or teams aren't going to, they're going to ask for a boatload of them because they know Oklahoma City has them if Oklahoma City's trying to trade. The thing that gets kind of glossed over is Shea's not, I mean, he's young, but Shea's not, like, super young. Like, Shea, SGA is not on the timeline of a team that is still, you know, four years out, three or four years out from competing. Um, SGA spent his first year in Los Angeles and went to the playoffs. And then he gets traded and he spends his second year in Oklahoma City, which is a significantly worse city than Los Angeles. <laughs> um, I, love my, I love my city, but there's, there's no debate there. Uh, but he goes to the playoffs and he plays with Chris Paul. Um, and then his third year, he's on one of the worst teams in the NBA. And because he is so good, he gets shut down for half the year. Now he had injury, but he gets shut down for half the year. So, like, Next year will be his fourth year. I mean, he's going into a, a potentially making a lot of money. And if he's if if Oklahoma City isn't in a timeline to win over the course of his next contract, what incentive does he have to stay in Oklahoma City? It's, it's very little. So if you're the Thunder, you're looking at this draft lottery and you're like, okay, if we can get one in five, then you know we're looking at Kate Cunningham, maybe Evan Mobley falls or Jonathan Kaminga or something like that. We are we're, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. Those extra picks that we've got in future drafts can be trade fodder, mm-hmm. so we can add stuff around those three guys, and we're ready to go. If you don't get one of those, if you don't get Cade, if you don't get someone like Jalen Suggs, or you know, if, if you don't swing a trade or something like that, like Shea is close to, to out the door, I would think, or or would have reason to want to look around a little bit in a year because this could be a longer term project. So like. If if they add, you know, Kate Cunningham, if they get a couple of top five picks, uh, then you know you add those guys and Kemba Walker is around for a while. If they don't and they're still in a position after this draft where they're not in a in a in a winning mode, then yeah, Kemba's probably getting flipped again. But like, like you saw with Chris Paul and, and then Al Horford to a lesser extent, like is <laughs> a a rejuvenation effect at play whenever you go play basketball in Oklahoma City. Derek, to get this back to some Husker talk, uh, we do know that Moses Brown and Al Horford are now on the way out of Oklahoma City. So does this clear some space to get Isaiah Roby some more playtime next year? Is he ready for that? Or or is he still, do you think, a a role player in uh, this Oklahoma City team? Well, I mean, he had had good opportunities last year whenever Horford was was not playing or missing games. Uh, It was a lot of Roby. And I wasn't super convinced with Moses Brown. Um, Roby is, is, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Mike Muscala is coming back. Um, 
obviously Moses Brown is not coming back. Al Horford is not coming back. So, like, as long as Roby's on the team, he's going to get an opportunity. just kind of depends on who they're drafting. Um, if they're drafting a guy like Evan Mobley or Kuminga, like, there's probably not um, – you know, you probably want those guys on the court more than you want Isaiah Roby. And, and long-term, Roby is probably a backup reserve big off the bench for a really good team. Um, but, like, I think, like, he showed, like, he was he was plenty, he showed he was plenty capable enough of handling minutes for a, a team that was trying to win basketball games last year with the Thunder. So, um, I think, you know, I, I hope he sticks around as somebody that likes his game, somebody that thinks he's a, he's really sort of, a, a perfect match for, for what you want at the four or five kind of position. Um, I hope he sticks around, but I, you know, we'll kind of see like everything with them. It just depends on how the ping pong balls fall, um, how the lottery balls fall in a couple of days. You read his work on Hale Varsity Magazine. It's Derek Peterson with us. You find him on Twitter at DrPDHV. Derek, going back to some Husker news, we did hear last night that the Huskers picked up a running back commit out of Ashton Hayes and uh, he, he said after he committed that the Huskers told him they only want one running back in this class. I know you're not the recruiting guy. I know that's Greg Smith, but when you look at this current Husker roster, do you think they're in a place where only adding one running back in this class of 2022 is a smart move? Yeah, I mean, every running back they have on scholarship right now, in terms of their eligibility, they're underclassmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marquis Stepp is the oldest guy in the room and he's a sophomore by by classification. So they've got Jackie Ann as a freshman, uh, Ramir Johnson as a freshman, Gabe Irvin, Savion Morrison, Marcus Scott. They're all freshmen. Um, so, you don't. I mean, at this point, if you add a guy, if you add multiple guys to the room, then one guy is probably leaving, as we saw with, you know, Ronald Tompkins going. And, and I, you know, I kind of thought maybe there for a minute we might see uh, another guy kind of step out with Yant going on scholarship. Um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any issues with them only focusing on one running back. I don't, I don't necessarily think they need multiple running backs. The class might be smaller. Um, that's, that's for Greg Smith to answer, though, I guess. But you know, they've got they, that running back room. You know, they got to figure out what they have and the players that they have on campus, and they got to figure out who's going to be sort of their every down guy this season. But. They've got a lot of scholarship players and a lot of young scholarship players in that room. So them going with just one guy in this next class is probably a smart move. We're talking to Derek Peterson. And Derek, a few days ago, you know, Tyreek Johnson, he's that transfer from Ohio State. He committed to us, and I think that's a great get. I mean, were you surprised uh, to hear that he wanted to come here? No, not really. Um, keeps him in the Big Ten. He's a he's a high-profile guy that, that um, came from a winning program, and I think he told a couple people, uh, that he he knows how to win. He knows what a winning program looks like. He knows sort of what it takes on a, on a weekday to win. Um, and if you're looking around the Big Ten, um, I, I know the record doesn't doesn't show it, but if you really dive into the program, which Tyreek did, you're going to see a, a position coach in Travis Fisher that just gets guys better, and a defensive back group, a secondary that just has a lot of competition and does things the right way and has a high level of talent. Um, and, and it's going to be a really competitive group. And I talked to Eric Schneider on Wednesday when we were out in Columbus for the Big Red Blitz, and I, and I asked him, you know, Fisher says you guys can have one of the best secondaries in the country at some point. How close to that do you think you guys are right now? 
And Janander's message was like, hey, let's, you know, let's figure out what happens with that other corner spot uh, and go from there. But I think we're pretty close right now. Um, and so, you know, if Johnson can come in and, and be that, that kind of talent that people thought he was going to be coming out of high school, um, you know, it's, it's an if, it's not a, a when. Um, and that's true for anybody. But I think Nebraska has a lot of secondary talent um, and, a, and a really, really strong coach coaching that group up and so I think Johnson saw that um when he when he took a look at Nebraska it doesn't surprise me at all that that players would want to come be part of that now, Derek with the Tyreek Johnson news and then the, the Christian McCaffrey tweet at Scott Frost the, the transfer portal has I mean rightfully so been one of the big topics of conversation around Husker football this week uh so my, my question to you is when you look at the transfer portal results for Nebraska as a whole players out versus players in do you think that Nebraska won the transfer portal this offseason in terms of the productions the production they're bringing in as opposed to the, the production that they're losing um I mean you lost Wendell Robinson so, Samori Toure has to be the same kind of receiver that he was at Montana. I, it, I don't. You can't answer that question right now. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys just they, you know, they have to. There's a scenario where I said this on my podcast. There's a scenario where four guys, four of the the 22 starters from Nebraska to begin the season, are guys that came out of the transfer portal this cycle. Samori Toure, Marquis Stepp, Chris Kolarovich, and Tyreek Johnson. Um, there's a scenario where all of those guys are super big wins for Nebraska. Um, there's also a scenario where they're just okay additions, and Nebraska has to make progress with, with the, the guys that they've developed. Um, and, you know, this is sort of the... This is sort of the, the thing that, that rubs me wrong with the transfer portal is it can't be the boogeyman when guys from your team leave and also be this super great thing when guys come to your team. Because there's the perception of the players that are going out don't want to work, they're not competitive, they are running away from competition, they're running away from a good thing, they are taking the easy way out, blah, blah, blah. And the guys that are coming in are you know, studs that everybody else looked over that are going to make you so much better. Um, it's always somewhere in the middle. And... You know, like I, I'm, I'm high on Samori Toure and, and what he can do for this offense. I think Chris Kolarovich is is going to be an underrated addition for the defense. Um, but we got to see those guys on the field, and those guys have to produce because the last, you know, transfer portal wide receiver Nebraska brought in and put in a starting role right away didn't really produce much for them. Um, so those guys have to live up to expectations as well, uh, which I know it wasn't really your question, but that's just, you know, that's that's kind of the thing that we've gotten into with the transfer portal. There he is, Derek Peterson. Derek, we're up against a hard break. We spent way too much time on the Thunder, but that's okay. I like getting your opinion. Be good this weekend, all right, brother? Thanks for having me on. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Lots of Husker football talk here to open the show. As uh, I mean, this is a Husker football talk show, so that's what the people want. But we do want to touch briefly on, on a topic we haven't gotten into uh, since the Big Red Blitz on Wednesday. The Christian McCaffrey tweet at Scott Frost and all the drama that followed. It's kind of taken uh, center court since then. But I do want to talk 
a little bit of volleyball as we got some interesting comments from uh, Tyler Hildebrand, coach of Husker Volleyball. Before we get into that, got to remind you about our friends over at West Blue Realty. If you're looking to make a move here in 2021, the home market is crazy right now. Uh, so you got to give your friends over at West Blue Realty a call today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, and they will help make your next move a smooth one, regardless of how crazy the home market is. And uh, you can also mention Hail Varsity whenever you are uh, talking with West Blue and they will provide you with up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. And if you got Agland, well, they can handle that too. They have an auctioneer, can handle anything from live auctions, sealed bids, and even general land listings. And they've sold land all around Lancaster County. They can handle a wide radius. If any of these things apply to you, you got to give uh, my friends, Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider, a call today. You can call Tom 402 540 3768 or Kelly at 402-202-2312. Call them to get more details. You can also visit them down at 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in beautiful downtown Lincoln or visit westbluerealty.com. And remember, it pays to work with West Blue Realty. Next time you're making a move, ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? Again, West Blue Realty. But we, we got to get into uh, this big red blitz comment from Tyler Hildebrand. They were out in uh, Shadron, Nebraska. They were on the Shadron, Nebraska stop of the big red blitz. And Hildebrand uh, was, was up at the mic, as we've heard. Um, and, and the the conversations were a little bit more candid than what we've gotten in press conferences usually. That's why we had the Scott Frost comment about Luke McCaffrey. Uh, we, we had uh, the, the Husker coaching staff kind of being real with the Husker fans that were out there asking them questions. And... Uh, out in Shadron, Tyler Hildebrand apparently said that Lauren Stiverns is coming back to Lincoln for the spring, which raised uh, hell on Twitter, to be honest. People were like, oh, like we already have Lexi Sun back. Lauren Stiverns is coming back. We're going to win a national championship next year. But we did get a clarification from the Husker Volleyball Twitter page. That was that Lauren is coming back to Nebraska to rehab from a back surgery that she recently had. And she has yet to make her decision whether or not she's going to be coming back to Nebraska or whether she's going to be playing professional volleyball. Again, no decision has been made. But, but... Does this make you think that Hildebrand knows that maybe she's leaning towards coming back to Nebraska if he's going to say something like that? Or, or maybe he's just, maybe he something came out, he didn't realize the the uh, the effect it would have on the crowd, what people would take from it whenever you said, oh, she's coming back to, to rehab, maybe. I, I don't know, I, I, can't, I wasn't there, I can't read too far into it, but um, it, it just seems like a, a bit of a weird comment to be making, especially if... Uh, you know, Lauren's already told him, I'm going to be going to playing professionally next year. It'd be weird to mention that in the Big Red Blitz at all that she's going to be coming back for the spring to rehab a back injury. Yeah, and that's why that's why I think it was just a classic, uh, you know, classic miscommunication. Maybe didn't uh, see the email, didn't check the email when he woke up and saw the, the, the message saying, hey, don't give out this difference news. Okay, I mean, that's my thought. I, I, I do think, he, like, that was something that they were hiding and that he accidentally said it. I, I I do think Stiverance is coming back, but what do I know? I think anything could happen. Maybe he maybe he just made a mistake, but I don't think uh, that mistake was a coincidence. I mean, 
Who knows? But what, what I can say with more confidence than that Stiffens is coming back, uh, I don't want to put that out there. You never know. I, I do think just based on this, my, my read is that there's got to be there's got to be some talk of her coming back. Yeah, and I mean the school said that she was coming back to do something other than play. Right? Mm-hmm. They said that she was coming back, so we know that she's coming back to and she's going to be on campus. I mean that's say say less. You know. I mean, that, that, depends me, on the back injury and how that is. But, but to me, that I read that as one step away from coming back to the team next year, especially with how disappointing that season ended last year in a COVID year. Um, one more chance to come back and win a national championship. But what, as, as I was saying, what I can say is I, I am getting the read here of, of Hildebrand being the one out in big red blitz making comments to people. It seems like the the Husker, I mean, athletic department is making the effort to put Tyler Hildebrand out there a little bit. Um, yeah. to, to be the one that the, the fans are talking to, to be the ones that is being seen as associated with the Husker volleyball team. And, and it just further confirms to me that he's the head coach in waiting, yeah. a la Dabo Sweeney down at Clemson, mm-hmm. where, where Dabo was there for a couple years as, as an assistant before he got promoted to the head coach job. It's, it seems to me that they, they think they have their replacement for after John Cook. You would have thought that John Cook would have announced long ago if he wasn't coming back uh, this next year. I mean, you got to expect he's, he's back this year. Who knows how much longer after that he is getting up there in years. But it, it seems to me that Hildebrand's the, the head coach and waiting, just waiting for John Cook to, mm-hmm. to retire. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's been talk out there of uh, maybe getting a look at the Nebraska AD job once Bill Moose is, uh, is moved on. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that about uh, Hildebrand coming the head coach. That's kind of the general thought. Everyone's kind of thinking. And I mean, Cook to AD, that's uh, it's an interesting thought. But that's for another day. It is for another day. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just appreciate John Cook while you got him. That's, that's that's my plea to Husker fans out there is while you have, I mean, like, it, it sounds so easy. Like, oh, like, I mean, I wish I could have been alive whenever Tom Osborne was in his prime here. And, and someday people are probably going to look back at this Husker volleyball team and say, man, kids, you should have seen this Husker volleyball team when John Cook had it rolling. Oh, it's true. That That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, he has been at the top for for years. Before we get out of here this hour, uh, let's take a look at the Athlon prediction for the Nebraska football team for 2021. As, How exciting. As Athlon uh, has ranked their top 130, which just seems so ridiculous to try and do, to try to rank the top 130 teams in the country, yeah. 1 through 130, but they're trying. It's cool, to, it's cool to see what they're going to give with. it a go. And as of right now, the Cornhuskers have ranked number 48. Number 48, the uh, the big wrap-up at the end says that uh, while a special element of the schedule was lost, the Huskers game in Dublin, Ireland, uh, they get the chance to renew a store-world rivalry with o- Oklahoma and with a schedule backloaded with home games, despite the fact that most of those are tough games, uh, Nebraska should be able to fashion a 500 record at least, and they finish it up by saying that they have placed Nebraska at number 48 in their preseason rankings of the college football, um, I guess, all of Division One. Uh, well, we'd be dancing in March if uh, this was basketball, but uh, I don't know. Forty-eight. I wonder what they had us at last year. I mean, the, the the big point that I'm taking away from this is the Athlon believes that the number one key for Nebraska to make a jump this year is a the run game, but defensively they think that putting more pressure on the passer is a priority because Nebraska ranked 98th nationally last year in sack rate, yeah. and on passing downs they dropped to 102nd nationally, which is far behind. I mean, the defense played well. They were what, a top 50 defense in the country last year, right around there. Yeah. Um, but having the, the, the 
I mean, we've been talking about this for years now. The Huskers need to find a, a reliable pass rusher on the outside. Do they have that guy in JoJo Doman this year coming back for another year? Maybe. Who's going to be across from him? Caleb Tanner, Blaze Gunnarsson. There's options there. But uh, 100th in the country in rushing the passer is not good. No. You can maybe get away with it in the, the run-heavy Big Ten. But the Big the Big Ten's changing. A lot more teams passing the ball, and it, it, it's... I yearn for the days of Indomitian Sioux, that 2009 defense, and how well they were able to get out the past year. I didn't appreciate it enough at the time because I was only 10 years old. But uh, Huskers got to improve that this year if they want to jump better than 48th in the country. When we return, we're going to talk a little Waffle House. SPN Lincoln is on the air at 101.5 FM at 1480 AM, online at ESPNLincoln.com. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson in rolling through a Friday here on Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Dolman's going to be coming up at the top of next hour. Is excited to sit down with the pride of Fairbury, Billy D, to get some thoughts from him on the McCaffrey family and their uh, their little bit of a beef with uh, Coach Frost. Again, that's coming up next hour, as well as recruiting insider for Hale Varsity Magazine, Greg Smith. So we're going to preview the Friday Night Lights camp coming up tonight, as well as the official visitor is going to be on campus. If you missed Derek Peterson a little bit earlier, he went off on his Oklahoma City Thunder and the wizard that is Sam Presti, their GM, uh, as well as talking some transfer portal with us. If you missed that one, it's up on the ESPN Lincoln page, or at least it will be shortly, uh, or ESPN Lincoln. Dot com. That's where you find that. Or the podcast form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite streaming service is. You can even ask your Alexa, hey, Alexa, play Hail Varsity Radio. And uh, she will do that for you. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's how you get connected with the show if you do happen to miss any of it because it's a great show. You don't want to miss any of it. Before we get out of here this hour, I said I wanted to talk a little bit about Waffle House because it's one of the, uh, the most fun Twitter stories I mm-hmm. saw last night. This is from Lee Sanderlin down in Mississippi. He uh, had a fantasy football league punishment yesterday where for coming in last place in his fantasy football league, he had to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. He began this at about four o'clock yesterday, um, but the catch was, was that for every Waffle House waffle that he ate while he was there, they would shave one hour off of the 24 hours. Okay. All right. So he began at four o'clock yesterday. Will, I mean, have you ever had a Waffle House waffle? I've actually never been to a Waffle House. Oh, you're uh, missing out. I've, I've been down south. I've seen them all. I've just never walked into one. So the thing about Waffle House waffles is these things are, they're, 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 they're good sized. They're good sized. There's no way they're good for you. I think they're like 600 calories a pop. Oh, wow. Um, plus then you add butter and um, maple syrup on top and they're no good for you. Block you up for days. But, but what's your strategy going into this thing? Do, do you try to get as many waffles as you can off the off the start just to try to shave the waffles on while you're fresh and while you're hungry? Or do you, you try to go slow and steady wins the race? That's a good question. I think if you eat too many waffles too quick, you will uh, have an issue. Uh, something will happen to your body. You will throw up. You may uh, 
pass out. He may die. He may have a heart attack. Who knows? Uh, I think, you know, what I would do, I would, uh, make, you know, make the time worthy of myself and uh, maybe ask them if I could do some work. Maybe earn a, earn a buck or two for a few hours. You know, I got some dishes you need done, got some floors you need mopping. Might as well make a few dollars while I'm there. <laughs> That's what I'd do. Yeah, he said he came with books and magazines, and uh, he also was uh, playing the touch tunes up at the Waffle oh, House, God. just curating his own playlist. After Waffle number six, uh, he was about six hours in. So he had six waffles in the first six hours. No, oh, and then geez. he ended up going and uh, throwing up outside the Waffle House in the bushes. Uh, came back inside. All six waffles did count, uh, and he ended up taking down at nine. So he was out of there after fifteen hours. About seven a.m. this morning. He actually did it. He, he completed it. He completed it. Uh, and I think my strategy's got to be going in there. Give me two waffles to start. Give me an hour off. So I'm going to go two, two waffles in hour one, and then the full second hour, I'm going to take time for myself, and I'm going to decide if I can get two more in hour three. That guy definitely uh, wasted his first round pick on Saquon. We were all there. <laughs> all happened to us. <laughs> and he probably banked on Carson Wentz having a comeback season, too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I won my fantasy football league there. I'm not even close. But my punishment's not that bad. We, we had talks about... Uh, Going to the bathroom at the bar, the bar at like 1 a.m. Uh, because there's no stalls in there. That's that was our talk. But now we should we should have to buy beer for the draft next year. That's not a bad punishment. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hour 2, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson. And uh, we're excited now to welcome in the pride of Fairbury, Billy D himself. It's Bill Dolman. And, and Bill, to get things rolling here, I learned something today. And that is that you were fraternity brothers with Will Wilson here's father, and I just want to know, does it make you feel old now whenever one of your frat brother's sons is now working with you on the radio? You know, you get used to it after a while. But uh, uh, it's, you, you, uh, what happens is when you're reminded of that is that you try to remember it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because some of those days from way back when um, are long forgotten. So you try to remember <laughs> the good old days. But uh, I remember Waz being a, a great guy, so I can only assume that uh, Will's in that same class. But uh, I know I remember those days greatly and fondly, and I'm shocked that uh, the university still doesn't allow Driftwood to go on uh, annually, but uh, that's another story for another time. Wow, I'll have to ask my dad about that. No, and I, I realize you don't remember those days because of the Budweiser. I, I, I get it. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that was high end. Oh, so. gotcha. <laughs> what, what were you drinking? It's college. I don't think it really matters. It's whatever you can afford. (laughs) Whatever you get your hands on, right, yeah. Right, but certainly not until you're 21. Right. Yes, can't forget that. Yeah, I actually actually did just see that the uh, the state of Nebraska is coming out with new driver's licenses. This is completely off topic. Uh, But they're coming out with new driver's licenses, and they they look kind of ugly, in my opinion. That's just one guy's opinion. If you're the designer of these and you were listening at home, I apologize. But I, I like the current ones. But I was just thinking, like, Man, the state of Nebraska is really helping out these like fake ID producers who are now like uh, I mean that's a whole new clientele that the kids who have already uh, the nineteen to twenty one year olds who have already bought their IDs in the current Nebraska now they need a new one like I think that's just helping out illicit business. 
Look, I, I, I'm not going to uh, name any names, but I, I'm pretty sure I was 35 years old and from Costa Rica when I was getting into the drumstick uh, back in about 1985 and 86. So I saw some great bands when I probably should not have been allowed to. But that's another story for another day. We're talking to Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. And, uh, Bill, tonight we get the Olympic track and field qualifier uh, going down. It's going on for the next few days. And I want to start out with this question. Uh, Shelby Houlihan, I believe that's how you say her last name. Uh, you know, She's from Sioux City, a uh, great runner in the 1500 and the uh, 5000. And uh, it came out the other day that she got banned uh, because of some substance that they found in her drug test. And she's blaming a burrito that she ate before the test uh, on that. What are your What are your thoughts on that situation, Bill? You know, uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. To be honest with you, um, you read it, and and if for for folks, my background right now, or what I primarily do, is are, are mostly Olympic and international sports, which I much prefer and enjoy and and uh, love doing. But you hear all of this stuff coming up from time to time as to uh, somebody ha- did something and it's out of character for whomever it might be. And in this case, Shelby Houlihan, uh, anybody who has followed track and field or, you know, Olympic sports in general, especially in the Midwest, has probably become familiar with her name over the last few years. And she's somebody that you root for, uh, given her background. Um, but when I saw that, news story come up this week, especially in the lead-up to the Olympic trials, which are going on uh, beginning tonight in Eugene, it was, it was really kind of shocking because you, you just don't think of her in those conversations. There have been issues in the past with uh, Olympic track and field athletes uh, who train in Eugene under Alberto Salazar, um, and, and that has been a major issue in the, in the world of track and field probably for the last uh, decade or so. Um, international Olympic sports are always under a veil of, of suspicion. It, it, unfortunately, um, maybe the most dominant female athlete in the world, and I mean that sincerely. I, I know people would think Simone Biles, but and K- Katie Ledecky, who is swimming as we speak in Omaha, uh, is a woman by the name of Teresa Johag, and she's a, um, a Norwegian cross-country skier who's also could be an Olympic athlete in the 10,000. She missed the 2018 Olympic Winter Games because there was she tested positive for a banned substance that was in a, a lip balm that was given to her by the team doctor in Norway. Wow! And and so you do, and you know it's traced back, and you can look at the micronutrients that are or ingredients that are in some of these things, and you go, I guess so. I guess it's possible. Now she got banned. Uh, she probably would be of one, two, or three Olympic gold medals in 2018. Shelby Houlihan, is she an Olympic gold medalist? I don't know, but she's one of the prominent names in track and field. But I, I, I say all this because you don't want to believe it, but you just never know. And even the most unsuspecting of names can surface, and lo and behold, it may come out to be you know, true. Her story may be true, but there's so much gray that it's that it's tough to see through, and uh, and especially at the dawn of the Olympic trials. I mean, it, I'm sure it's mind-boggling for her and devastating. Now, now, didn't was it Ryan Braun who like 
claimed he ate some granola that had been made by his trainer that then for I think he eventually came clean and said no I did take that banned substance um, but I, I think it was like Ryan Braun who did the same thing where he said no my trainer made me some granola I didn't know what was in or something like that does that, does that sound right Will or Bill you guys remember that yeah yeah you know the, the, the unfortunate thing is, is is well there's a lot of unfortunate things but you get the excuses right out of the gate and then there's the backtracking and so you may have somebody like a Teresa Yohog who would not need a lip, uh, an ingredient in a lip balm to be the most dominant female athlete in the world um, at all. I mean, instead of winning a, a, ten, a, a 30K cross-country race by, you know, five minutes, she might win it by 445. I mean, that's how dominant she can be. Hmm. Um, but when, you come, when people will come out with the excuses and then it turns out, well, yeah, I guess, you know, we, you know, we were doing that. We were pushing. Then whenever you have somebody comes up with a legitimate, you know, excuse, I guess there are some traces of this Nanderlone in pork. Then Shelby Houlihan comes up with it. And then it's like, well, I can't believe you because somebody cried wolf already and it's not believable anymore. You know, the trainers have to know, the doctors have to know, everybody has got to be in on, um, on what's in the stuff that's being put in their bodies. You know, Dave Ellis, I'm sure would be, uh, you know, the guy who heads up the, you know, dietitians um, uh, at Nebraska would certainly be able to uh, address that. But uh, it, it, unfortunately, you have so many people who come up with some excuses that it, it, whatever might be true uh, is immediately discounted. And those athletes, I'll tell you, I've worked with a, new, a, a number of them who have gone on to work in television. They have to have a, they have to let the drug testing people know, you know, during a certain window on an hour by hour basis where they're going to be. And I, I had a, a partner of mine, um, Kelly Wells Brinkley, who was an Olympic bronze medalist in the hurdles, I believe in 2012. Uh, she, somebody showed up, she was getting a manicure and she had to let them know that that's where she was going to be. And the drug testing person showed up at the place where she was getting the manicure. <laughs> She had to go to the back and had to test, you know, wow. and she's clean. And I'll tell you, though, the, those athletes that are clean really despise those that are pushing the envelope. Mm -hmm. And, wow. I, I mean, I, I would hope that Shelby Houlihan, because she's such a nice story, it's mm -hmm. not true, but I don't think there's anything at this point that she's going to be able to do about it with the trials beginning tonight. Sure. We're talking to Bill Dolman. And, Bill, you mentioned uh, something about the swim trials that are going on right now up in Omaha. And I'm curious, just your opinion, does Ryan Lochte shock the, war, uh, the world and qualify for the Olympics? I don't know. Based on what I saw last night, he was, he was two seconds. He finished sixth in his uh, semifinal eight, and he was two seconds off of, uh, you know, the best times at three seconds off. I, I – He's going to, you know, at 36, he's going to have to probably pull off the swim of his life. It's, I think it's a great story because it does seem as though he has gotten his life turned around from the, the drama that he was in Rio and a few years after that. Um, it would be a great story. And I, and I, I think I've gone from somebody who was ready to hear the last of Ryan Lochte to actually rooting for the guy tonight. Um, I just don't see it happening. I, I just I don't I don't think he can get it done, but it'd be great. It'd be great uh, for the Olympics. It'd be certainly a, a headliner going into uh, to Tokyo in a couple of weeks. Talking with Bill Dolman here on the family of NBC Sports Networks, including the Olympic Channel. He specializes in that. But, but Bill, we got to get back to some Husker football talk here. As you the, don't want to talk about Olympic archery? I love Olympics. Well, I, I can do it all day. I was you. hoping for maybe a little biathlon talk. but uh, Well, but, that's the winter games. But, okay, we'll save the archery for maybe the next couple of weeks. 
Okay, perfect, perfect. perfect. Well, I got to save something for Chris next week. Um, but, but Bill, <laughs> the, the big news from this week in Husker football talk was that of Scott Frost and Luke McCaffrey. Luke McCaffrey ended up going to Rice after spending less than a week at Louisville. And Scott Frost essentially said uh, Luke McCaffrey got some bad advice. Someone in his ear was giving him bad advice, telling him to go to Louisville. And, and Christian McCaffrey and Max McCaffrey both took offense to that taking to Twitter to call out Coach Frost saying, didn't you yourself transfer? Um, so, Bill, I mean, most of the, the media and the people I talk to around here are firmly on Coach Frost's side here saying, well, obviously he did get some, some bad advice if he ended up going to Louisville for a week because he thought he could win the starting job when everyone pretty much knows he couldn't. So, so Bill, where do you stand on this? Um, is it a bad look for Nebraska that Christian McCaffrey is tweeting bad things about Coach Frost? Or, or do you like Coach Frost uh, kind of standing up for his own team uh, after, I mean, putting in so much work and saying Luke McCaffrey is the future of this program than having him transfer? I, I guess, uh, are you with Coach Frost just uh, saying, I-, I think he's getting some bad advice? I, I, would, I would tend to lean in that direction. Uh, given my uh, my background, but I, I I think the fact that you know the guy is there for a week, four practices, and realizes that he's not going to be the starter. Not just that it's not for him there, but it, that that is where the the big red flag gets raised. I, I don't want to say put the words in Scott Frost's mouth and say that well the fact that he transferred at all was a bad move. I think it's the fact that. I think we're all looking at this going, why would you go to Louisville when they've got somebody there who's already established? Mm-hmm. You haven't established yourself and you, and, you know, at this stage of your career, um, you know, maybe you need to develop a little bit more and may, stay where you're at or go to an institution that, you know, you, you're probably going to be the guy. Northern Colorado, you know, would be one where his brother is. Um, but the whole the, the big red flag gets raised when you leave and go someplace for a week and go, well, I'm not going to start here. Well, I'm out of here. That that is where this really gets flaky. The the fact that he's going to I think Rice is a great fit for him. I think it'll be fantastic. He's got a coach that he knows. It's not a uh, a major program. Not that now Louisville, I guess, could probably could be considered a major program. But it, it is going to be a place where he's going to find himself in a comfortable situation with the opportunity to compete athletically and academically. If he had gone from Nebraska to Rice, I don't think anybody's having any conversation. Yep. But I think with the fact that, well, you're going to go to Louisville and supplant the starter and then leave in a week, that's where everybody's going. None of this really makes sense, and that was bad advice. So, And, again, I'm not privy to what Scott Frost's personal conversations are, but I think whoever said go to Louisville was giving the kids some bad advice. Now, now, Bill, I don't mind family standing up for family with Christian McCaffrey and, and Max McCaffrey both tweeting at, at Coach Frost, but does it leave a, a bad taste in your mouth, almost like Luke is having his brothers go in and do the dirty business for him on Twitter? No, you know what? I think I think it, whenever people are, show up in August or July or whenever camp begins, and maybe next week, I think this is all just done away with. I think people will go, oh, yeah, I might see a Rice highlight and go, oh, yeah, Luke McCaffrey's there. And maybe he'll be in all whatever conference they're in now. Uh, you know, Chuck Poole from, you know, days gone by at Nebraska is the sports information director at Rice, so maybe there might be something said as to how well he's doing. But I really believe in a, in a, in a matter of time, Luke McCaffrey is going to be, and I don't mean this in a bad way, is, is going to be a memory and a faded memory at that. You know, you'll see him win, win in the Penn State game. 
but sooner or later somebody's going to come into Nebraska. Maybe it's this Torres kid from San Antonio. You know, maybe uh, Adrian comes back next year. Maybe it's Harburg. But although the conversation is going to be contemporary to who's at Nebraska, and people are going to forget about Luke McCaffrey, and, and I don't mean it again in a bad way, but they're just going to forget about him. He'll be at Rice. He'll go on. He'll be a great athlete. May not be an NFL player, but it, I think this is a, a conversation for this week and this week alone. Last thought here, Bill, about a minute left. Uh, while we're talking quarterbacks, you mentioned Richard Torres. You also have Heinrich Harburg. Both of those guys kind of fit the same mold, that tall, a little bit less mobile, or maybe even sneaky athletic, you'd call them. hate to say that, but uh, but with, with the two most recent guys in, in the boat being this new you know, almost pocket passer quarterback. What do you think of the direction that Nebraska is moving in quarterback? It feels like a, a far cry from what the quarterback at Nebraska looked like back in the 1990s. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I watched some of the, uh, the the Torres kids' video. Um, first of all, he, you know, he reminded me just in stature of Brooke Behringer, You know, tall and, and lanky and good arm, and and I don't think he's as mobile as and as fast a runner as Brooke was. I think Brooke was um, pretty deceptively fast, given you know his, his frame. But, uh, you know, the kid's got an arm, and he wants to come to Nebraska, great. But you're going to come here, and you got to compete. Harburg, I mentioned this in the spring game. Everything that I saw him do until that last pass of the, of the game with the extra time, everything went to the right. So he's got to develop a little more field vision. Um, but you, you can't come to Nebraska and think, well, they recruited me, so I'm going to be the starter. There's going to be quarterback competition, and there might be not. That might be two years away. Adrian might come back next year. I'd be surprised, but uh, you know, it's great that this guy wants to commit before his senior season. He's from Texas, you know, that that provides some roots in Texas again. Uh, you know, it's it's all positive. But you're right; it's a different look at quarterback than I think anybody uh, who followed Nebraska football 25 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago with. Taylor Martinez and Tommy Armstrong and the athletic guy that could throw efficiently but was a great runner, I'm not sure we see somebody in the program right now who would be considered a great runner. There he is. Bill, uh, enjoy your weekend, and uh, thanks for joining us today. All right, guys. appreciate it. Go Big Red. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Again, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Excited to welcome in Hale Varsity recruiting insider Greg Smith. The Huskers have a big recruiting weekend ahead of them, Friday night's lights and the Adidas Pipeline camp. Uh, but first, Greg... I want to ask you a little bit about some NBA action because it's getting weird in the playoffs this year. There's some injuries. Uh, Kawhi Leonard down, Chris Paul with COVID, and uh, we also have Kyrie Irving out with an ankle injury. So everything's getting kind of weird. We're expecting the uh, the Nets to just roll right through the East, uh, but they're running into some issues with the Bucks. So just what, what's your take on the playoffs as a whole? Who are you liking right now? Yeah, it's, it's wild with that. And I was, you know, my worst fear for these playoffs was this kind of situation that we've seen that either the protocol or and or injuries would end up really derailing the whole thing um, and that's what it, what's kind of happening like I don't know who in the world you're supposed to pick um, because like you just think through it the Nets and their situation with their injuries even though KD has been fantastic so maybe it's just still them by default um, the Suns Jacob Suns with Chris Paul um, is going to be out I guess for a while and um, Kawhi Leonard going down the 
the Bucks seem to have their own struggles. Like I'm just not sure um, what to go. But it's been wild. Like I, it's kind of keeping us from having the best basketball possible, which really stinks for everybody involved. Um, but it's going to be a fun finish to the end. Greg, I, I need your prediction now. Who do you? I, I don't. I need a, a finals winner, but I at least need your prediction for who makes the finals. There's. I mean. Clippers could beat the Jazz. I could still see the Jazz coming back. It's going to be Game 7 between Milwaukee and the Nets. Like Anything can happen at this point, but as of this moment, who do you think makes it to the finals in each conference? Man, that's that's really tough. I'm going to go with the Jazz and Mm. still the Nets. Mm. And I'll go ahead and say I think the Nets would win that series. Um, But boy, I'm very nervous about all of that because health, who knows with any of that what's going to happen. Yeah, and the Jazz still have a hill to climb against the Clippers. So, I mean, uh, the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns are a popular pick, but you never know what's going to happen with uh, Chris Paul going on the COVID protocol. But, but Greg, I want to shift gears here and go recruiting. As the Huskers picked up a commitment last night, the fifth of the 2022 class in Ashton Hayes, and running back out of uh, Nevada. And uh, it's interesting is uh, we were talking yesterday on the show with uh, Nevada Sportsnet's Chris Murray, and he says that in his conversations with uh, with Ashton that the Husker coaches have told Ashton that he's the number two running back on their board right now. you got to assume number one's Justin Williams, but that they only want one running back in this class. Uh, do, do you think that's true, or, or do you think the Huskers are still going to be making a push for Justin Williams? Yeah, I think that that is mostly true. Um, and if Nebraska ends up getting in a spot where the numbers work out to where they can still take Justin Williams and he still wants to be in, then I think that they go ahead and make that happen. Um, but, but the situation there is pretty simple and cut and dry. Like Nebraska knows that Justin Williams is, has told a lot of people, including myself, that he wants to make a decision once the season, once his football season is over, his season season is over. That's a long time from now especially considering that he already took an official visit to Nebraska the very first weekend of June. Um, and so that's a long time for the visit high to wear off, it's a long time for other schools to still come into the picture that are maybe a little bit closer to home. Um, so if you're Nebraska, you can't necessarily be caught um, with nothing at running back or with a, a backup plan if he decides to look elsewhere after waiting for him for that long. So I think they went ahead um, and accepted the commitment of, of a really good running back in Ashton Hayes um, because of that whole situation. We're talking to Greg Smith, and Greg, you know, with the one kid that I'm fascinated about is Daniel Kalen, and you know, there's already three schools that have offered this guy. I think he's going to be a junior, correct, uh, over at Bellevue West, and you know, the Nebraska they've offered him already. You know, what are they seeing in this guy? Because we haven't seen much from him. Yeah, he'll be a sophomore because he's a 2024 kid. I get that confused as well. Um, It's easy to mix up. So mix up. So yeah, he has not. It's it's really a wild situation. You're right to have your eye on him because one, he's already picking up Power Five offers. Um, and quarterback, so that's always a thing where people obviously always want to talk about quarterbacks, but also he hasn't started a game at Bellevue West yet. Um, and so to be in the situation where he now has multiple Power 5 offers without starting a game um, is pretty remarkable. I think he's the youngest quarterback um, in Nebraska history to pick up an offer to play the position. Um, you know that once he gets on the field, though, he's going to have all sorts of weapons to throw to. He's just, Bellevue West just loaded with Power 5 talent um, every year, it seems like, at the skill position. So it'll be really fun to track his uh, development and recruitment over the coming years. He's actually on campus right now um, at Nebraska. Nebraska's having kind of their big red barbecue right now um, for selected uh, Husker targets. 
Yeah, and what, what gets me about him is he's the like the same age as my little sister who just turned 16 and is like still scared to go drive, and he's out there picking up Husker offers. Like it's just so weird to think uh, that someone like the same age as my little sister is out there getting offers. This must be what getting old feels like. Um, yep, I was just thinking that, man. You you are welcome to our side. And Schmitty was here, he, he would say the same thing. But but Greg, you were mentioning that Kalen's on campus right now, so I want to get to this this recruiting weekend for the Huskers. They got the Friday Night Lights camp tonight. Uh, they have the uh, Adidas Pipeline camp coming up tomorrow. So which guys uh, are going to be on campus today? I've already seen via Twitter that James Mons, we've talked about him a few times, uh, is going to be on campus this weekend. Uh, but who else and, uh, and, and what is, uh, is going on in, in the Mons recruitment? Are the Huskers still towards the top of that list? Yeah, I'll start with Mons. Uh, they're in a Big Ten battle uh, for him. I think that he visited uh, Indiana last weekend um, and really enjoyed that trip. And then this weekend, obviously, he's at Nebraska. He's here now. I think he he had tweeted out a little bit earlier um, a video of him in the stadium. So he's, he touched down. He made it to Lincoln. Um, and so then next weekend, he's got a visit to Wisconsin for an official visit. So this really feels like a kid down in Florida that wants to end up playing in the Big Ten. It's just a matter of where. Um, I do think Nebraska is in a good position with him. They're probably chasing Indiana at this point. He made a real impression last week. But he is a legacy recruit with his uncle having played corner here. Uh, at Nebraska in the 1970s. Um, and so we'll see if Nebraska can make a big push with him. Uh, but like you said, there are a number of events that are happening this weekend. As Nebraska, you know, already today has had um, their latest slate of kind of private workouts um, in, in which they had those who are a guy like Carson Hergley um, out of South Dakota coming in as an athlete, one of the highlighted guys. LJ Richardson came in uh, from Bellevue West, talented running back for the 2022 class. Um, then they'll have this big red barbecue here. Um, I think they had it this afternoon. Um, and they'll have a number of guys all the way up to the 2024 class for that. And then they have a full slate of official visitors coming in at the same time that they're hosting Friday Night Lights and then the Pipeline Camp. Like I don't know when these guys are going to sleep, probably about as much as I do at this point. Now, Greg, are there any official visitors that are going to be participating in that Friday Night Lights Camp? Or are most of them just going to be on the sidelines kind of taking in the official visit and uh, talking with coaches, players, whatnot? Yeah, great question, because this comes up quite a bit, and um, fans always want to know, hey, well, we get to see those guys out there uh, participating. No, you will not, because the one thing that the NCAA has not changed the rule on is that while you're on your official visit, you cannot participate in any of those camps. Um, if you remember, I think why this gets confused is a couple of years ago during Blaze Gutterson's recruitment, he actually participated in Friday Night Lights, but what he did was, and it's pretty remarkable, he came to Lincoln, delayed the start of his official visit clock, so that he could come in, work out at Friday Night Lights, and then the next day started his mm-hmm. official visit, um, which tells you something about his work ethic. It was pretty impressive to see him do that. But now these guys will not be working out, uh, none of the four official visitors that are here right now. We're talking to Greg Smith. And, Greg, I just thought of a question. I'm curious. You know, we've gone three years now to see how this staff can recruit. And outside of Frost, my question to you is, which position coach do you think is the strongest recruiter? Boy, that is interesting. Uh, my initial gut reaction was Travis Fisher. Ryan Held is really good. Um, I would probably say Held. I, w- I would say Held is is probably the best rec- assistant coach recruiter on staff. Now, the, I think the best 
if you count the coordinators, Eric Shenander um, is kind of quietly really, really good on the recruiting trail. He's involved in a lot of recruitment, um, even on the offensive side of the ball. Like He gets very involved and really likes recruiting. Um, so if we include coordinators, I'll say Eric Shenander to cheat a little bit. I'll, I'll to just say assistants. I'll say Ryan Held. Uh, so that way we get a couple guys covered. Now, now, Greg, another guy on campus is another legacy. We talked about James Mons, whose uh, uncle Walter Mons played for Nebraska and was a legacy. We also have the son of a Husker legend, Dominic Riola, going to be on campus this weekend. That's uh, 2024 quarterback Dylan Riola. What, what can you tell me about him? Is he trying to work his way into a Nebraska offer? Yeah, that'll be. He's going to be one of the names to watch tonight at Friday Night Lights camp. So he will be participating in that camp. He's also um, at the barbecue as well. He got an invite to that um, to get an extended look at the program. But I think that yeah, tonight will be big for him um, as he'll get to work directly with uh, quarterbacks coach Mario Verduzco. And it, it's interesting to have him on campus at the same time as you have another offered quarterback for the 2024 class and Daniel Kalen. Um, so that's always a fun situation to have play out. But uh, Rayola doesn't have the offer yet. Um, but I think that he might be marching his way towards that uh, here in the near future. Hey, Greg, as we're on the recruiting topic, you know, we've had a few days to kind of reflect on this, looking over at Arizona State and Herb Edwards, you know, they've uh, violated some recruiting uh, stuff during the pandemic. You know, how do you think the NCAA should handle that? If, if in fact, they were out here, like, actually hosting visits... And it sounds during... like there's evidence. Yeah, and it does sound like... It sounds like there's evidence of that sounds like there's evidence of them like paying guys um you're gonna have to come down really hard on them like that's more than like kind of just a run of the mill like who was it tennessee that it was found that they were leaving mcdonald's bags yep, yep, for guys um classic story um it's more than that, right? It, it goes further than, like, you know, the alleged things in the SEC with the cars and all of that. Like, if you're actually violating NCAA rules and during a time that, you know, was a really scary time in the country, like, you, I think you have to come down harder on them for that um, and really punish them to a full extent. Would that actually happen? Who knows? It's the NCAA. You never know what they're going to do. See, I kind of fall on the other side of the of the boat here is that it's, well, at least they weren't paying recruits. At least they were, they were, I mean, they were recruiting within the rules of the game, except they were just doing it at a time when you couldn't do it. It doesn't seem like it's like, here, here's $100,000 and a, a Ferrari, come to my school. It's just like, hey, come, come check out campus. I don't know. I think if you got, well, see, part of the problem, too, is, is what happens if, if Arizona State was like the only school or the only Power Five school doing this? Like, you're going to get an outcry from the other schools in the Pac 12, right? Like, they're like the uh, administration at, SEC, or at USC will be calling up the NCAA saying, hey, you need to come down hard on them because we stuck to your rules and we stuck to local health guidelines about what we should have been doing. I don't know. I could see a lot of sour grapes from that, especially considering Arizona State has done very very well on the recruiting trail like if you talk to the kids here locally in nebraska they all love arizona state the ones that aren't coming here for the 2022 class like they all love arizona state and have them in their top five um I, it would be different if arizona state wasn't doing well so i think that you'll have a lot of schools keeping an eye out on what happens here there he is greg smith recruiting insider for hail varsity magazine find him on twitter at greg smith hv he's going to be tweeting about friday night lights camp tonight uh and that's where you can find all the information you need for the camp greg enjoy the camp tonight and uh and, and give us some good news on some huskers this weekend okay i will see what i can do you guys have a good weekend <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Getting towards the end of a Friday show here on Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson filling in as Chris Schmidt is out watching his son play some baseball this afternoon. A fine day for baseball, too, after the hot weather we've had the past couple days. Hope he's having a good time out there. He's going to be back in tomorrow morning for the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. If you're listening from around the state, you can catch that Saturday morning edition uh, via our podcast form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you like to get your podcasts, really. It's where you can find Hale Varsity Radio, the weekend edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and myself in tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that before I head up to Omaha for a full day of College World Series festivities. That's where we're going to be going next as uh, Chris and I are going to be up in Omaha next Monday and next Thursday at Zipline from 4 to 6. Come visit us up there ahead of uh, the evening games of the College World Series. That's where we're going to be. That's where you should be too. The uh, best spot in uh, that area, if, uh, if I do say so myself, is Zipline Brewing Company. I'm going to be drinking a couple Copper Alts because those things just hit the spot. They hit the spot. They really do. Okay. All right. Um, but I'm looking for, I'm going up to Omaha tomorrow. Um, my buddy Crew, his uh, brother and his brother's girlfriend have a tailgate spot up in Omaha. Mm. So looking forward to going up there, getting a little tailgate, getting the College World Series scene. And this isn't something that was like a, a tradition of my childhood by any means. It wasn't a, well, College World Series is in town. Let's head up to Omaha, catch a couple games. Like that, that was never. Like I mean, I, I quit baseball at a young age, so maybe that was why. I mean, my my dad just thought I didn't care. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I like that wasn't something I did as a kid. And now, like through high school and through college, and yeah. recently, it's it's felt like an every summer type thing. Why well, I, I didn't seem to go catch one game in the college World Series. I need to go get into a one left field sucks chant or something. Kinda but. no, I'm kind of in the same boat. I never got to see Rosenblatt. I drove around it, of course, going yeah. to the zoo. But <laughs> maybe it's just because I was like six years old. My dad was like, I'm not going to waste a college World Series ticket on a six year old, which is also fair. Well, six years old. Man, that that was when they were going, right? That well, was yeah, the yeah. Huskers were there. Now, that's my earliest memory of Husker baseball is that 2005 uh, College World Series team. I think it was Jabba Chamberlain pitching and uh, Alex Gordon out in third base. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, I, I never got to see a game at Rosenblatt, but I'm with you. As I got older, I kind of started going to some more games at TD, and there's nothing like it, man. I'm, re- I'm really like excited because this is my first College World Series since turning 21 because last year Ooh, got canceled. Yeah. So it's uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a fun Saturday up up in Omaha. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where it's almost we, – we take it for granted around here that, oh, College World Series is just in Omaha. And it's actually like kind of crazy, the story. I, I don't know enough to actually get into the story here on the radio, but the story of how Omaha actually got the College World Series – uh, they, they, there's a whole PBS documentary on it I watched one time. I recommend it. I, I can, I'll, I'll find the name for it here in a second. I'll get it to I, you. In the I last would love segment. to know because I've always wondered how they, how Omaha, you know, how Omaha got all these events, CWS, the swim trials, you know, all that. How did they get that? It's interesting to me. Well, we'll get uh, this. It was, it was a guy by the last name of Rosenblatt uh, who, who got well, the College World Series to Omaha, which makes sense. I knew that much, but I didn't know who, you know, the whole situation. But yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's been a tradition since like the 1960s. So. It's gonna be a fun time. You're gonna be down there doing your thing. Uh, uh, Barstool, they're going to be down there having a show, which is always fun when national people. I wonder, I always wonder who throws out the first pitch. I remember one year it was George uh, George Bush, former president. I wonder who uh, who's going to do it this year. 
You don't think they go for Donald Trump, do they? Oh, God. No, <laughs> they, don't, they don't do that. Yeah, but uh, we had uh, NC State baseball coach Elliot Avent at the uh, at the podium today, and he gave praise for Omaha and said that almost no event stays in one place forever. Uh, the, the direct quote is, the Masters will probably always be at Augusta, and the College World Series will always be in Omaha because of how well Omaha and the state of Nebraska treats like the College World Series. Like, I mean, it, it's the premier event in Nebraska every year, right? It would, it would be a tragedy. If, if that ever left the state, uh, Omaha better never do anything to make that happen. Um, you know, it's contract through 2033. Hopefully, you know, that will be no issue after that. Yeah, I, I agree. It should stay here all of all time. But I, mean, I, th- I think what locked it up was the fact they built TD Ameritrade Park to house yeah, the College World Series. Uh, I think that's the one that's going to keep it here forever, at least until TD Ameritrade is not a usable ballpark anymore, which has got to be. 50 years in the future who knows i mean you know ballparks now i mean some ballparks have been around for longer than that so i don't know but they've done a great job of just making that whole downtown area great environment you know bars have came out and man there's nothing like it it's gonna be a great time i I do miss that this the scenic view of rosenblatt where you can see the desert dome over right like that that's just such a pretty scenic area but i will say that td ameritrade is a much better location Mm -hmm. for the college world series with with the the life like the the nightlife the the bar scene around there yeah um airport being right down airports right there you got a lot of hotels it it is a much better setup but man there's something about rosenblatt that's just so like the the multicolored stadium with you got uh, the Desert Dome off at the right, like it was kind of showing off the Omaha Zoo, which the live one of the premier zoos in the, in the country. The, the live Oregon. I mean, I'm so jealous that I never got to see a game there. I really am. Yeah, but but setting up for a good College World Series this year, um, my my question in this segment, Will, is is who do you think you're supporting? You got NC State who took down Arkansas, so I think they're going to be a pretty good fan favorite, simply for the fact that the Nebraska fans around here are going to be thankful that they took down Arkansas after the treatment Nebraska got from the Arkansas fans. And NC State's not a bad pick. I mean, to go through Arkansas and take down the Razorbacks, that's impressive. So that's not a bad pick. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, you look at uh, Stanford they in Lubbock. Right? I mean, they, they got out of that super regional, too. That's very impressive. So, I mean, outside of Vanderbilt, those are the two teams that I'm keeping my eye on, Stanford and NC State. I mean, and, and the College World Series is designed in a way that is pretty wide open every single year. I mean, you, you never really know who's going to – Michigan. Gonna, who's, what? Yeah. yeah. Two years ago. You never know who's going to come through because it does come down to who gets hot at the right time. Right. And the teams I see are hot right now is Tennessee. Tennessee looks pretty good right now. I think Chris is going to be on the Tennessee bandwagon this next week. Um, because he, he, I mean, that walk-off scene, whenever they, uh, they hit yeah, that, that it, it walk-off, was, cool. was a walk-off grand slam. It was cool. I mean, I mean, I'll give it Tennessee. They haven't been to the College World Series since 2005. Oh, geez. So they're in the same kind of drought as Nebraska. They have more appearances than Nebraska. Um, I think they have four or five all-time. Um, but it's been since 2005, so Tennessee, I'm hoping they, they, the Tennessee fans show up in droves to try to... It's, it's, uh, it's too bad they're not having the, the, the usual... Festivities like the the ceremony, the opening ceremony. They're not doing that this year. You want to hear a good story about the opening ceremony before we get out of here? Yeah. Um. So back, I was in like middle school at the time. My brother was in the Southeast Marching Band. Okay. And uh, the Southeast Marching Band got a deal. So it would have been my sixth grade year, my brother's freshman year of co- or of high school. That the Southeast Marching Band was going to be the marching band that performed during the College World Series opening ceremony. <laughs> That's cool. So, like for the the week before the College World Series, like I was going up every single day and helping like the band practice and stuff because they needed help. They needed people to, like push out equipment sure. onto the field yep. and stuff. You gotta so, have it. Yep. So been, uh, I was in the band. I get it. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I was helping out with that. And then in sixth grade, uh, we roll up to Omaha, and then about as soon as we start unpacking all the the trailers and stuff, rain. 
just starts downpouring. And they cut it off? And so they, they canceled oh. the opening uh, ceremonies that year. And uh, they're like, okay, we're going to take a year off. We already had next year planned. But this, uh, my eighth grade year, my brother's junior year of, uh, yeah, that sounds right, junior year of, mm-hmm. of high school, yep. uh, it was, all right, we're going to have you guys back. And uh, look, we're like, awesome, okay. So it's the same thing all over again. I'm helping out with the band. I'm helping out uh, push stuff onto the field. And uh, that year, the College World Series started. So all the teams march out onto the field, like take their, their spots. Um, they're going to uh, start the ceremony. And then we're all lined up outside of the, uh, the outfield walls of the stadium. Yep. And it starts raining. Ah. So two times I had a chance to be in the College World Series opening ceremonies, and both times it rained out. It's probably my fault. I am cursed in that sense. CWS tradition. There's, it's going to rain at least three days. <laughs> this is true. I'm hoping for beautiful weather next Monday and Thursday, at least. That's where Chris and I are going to be next week. Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Dropping up a Friday here on Hale Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal alongside the man himself, Will Wilson, as we're filling in for Chris Schmidt today. Back tomorrow for the Saturday morning edition. As College World Series also getting kicked off tomorrow. Looking forward to that. But Will, we were talking a little bit earlier about Oh, wait, we're talking about, about playoffs, NBA, but we're also talking about the Olympics. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go best of both worlds here and talk about the U.S. national team in the Olympics. Got a lot of uh, NBA players who've already said they're not going to be playing uh, for whatever their respective uh, national team is this year. I know Jokic has already opted out as he's expecting uh, the birth of a uh, child this summer. Um, but And, and then on, on top of that, you also have the fact that it was a, a thrown-together NBA season, a lot of injury yeah. problems already. Mm-hmm. So... We're, we're kind of unsure how good this U.S. national team is going to be. I'm still expecting they're going to win the gold medal because we're still the U.S. Um, Did you know? I didn't know this, but uh, my dad told me this like years ago. The U.S. actually lost the gold one year. I think Russia beat them. Yeah, and that was the year before the Dream Team. Ah, so the or not the year before the Olympics before the Dream Team, we lost it, and this was that was like kind of the the spark it took for the uh, everyone to say, okay, we can have professional athletes in the Olympics. Who cares? Could like, you imagine? It, it was only college kids before. Ah, that that makes sense. I mean, but could you imagine though America losing the gold in any of these years? I mean, how embarrassing how that would embarrassing. be! Oh man, that would not be a good look. But it'd be, I guess it'd be cool to see. Yeah, but we, we have a couple names that have already committed to uh, the U.S. national team for the Olympics. We have Damian Lillard. He is in Jason Tatum's in for Team USA. Oh, Tatum. Tatum committed too, okay. Yeah, uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, Bradley Beal. Oh, I didn't know that one, okay. Draymond Green. Yeah, I knew that one. Uh, and uh, Devin Booker. Yeah, Booker. He just committed a few, uh, you know, earlier during the show. And, uh, you know, then that's great. I'm kind of surprised by Lillard. Doing that, uh, but that's great help. I heard Curry keep an eye out for him. Uh, he could maybe commit. Well, and, uh, his season ended short. He didn't have to go through yep. the grind of the playoffs this year. Right, and he, he, who knows? You know, he was hurt. Maybe he just wants to play more basketball. And also Zion, really, really curious to see if he commits because everybody wants him to, and there's no reason why he should not. Dude, I'm just imagining Zion dunking on some poor, like, five foot ten Eastern European point guard. That just gets like so unlike like it would be uh, like uh, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Vince Carter jumping over the dude at the oh, Olympics. Yeah, right. Where he like, st- like actually goes up and over him completely. Like, I want Zion to do that to somebody at the Olympics. Yeah. Just, just to show like USA is still number one. I would, ex- I would fully expect Zion to play. Um, of course, I guess you could say the Olympics are kind of up in the air. I mean, they're going to happen. There's just been reports out, you know, maybe putting it in doubt. But no, I, I think we're going to get the Olympics. And I'm excited, man. Super excited. You got the storm trials going on, track and field tonight. It's it's kicking up, man. Yeah, who, who are the names you're not expecting to play, though? I mean, the, the, the guy's still in the playoffs. Devin Booker, uh, I, I was a little surprised he committed already, considering he's still in the playoffs. Honestly, like, I could almost, uh, you know, there's a few guys, but almost seems like everybody's kind of up for grabs, you know? I, I could almost see AD playing. I mean, I yeah. know he's hurt, but... It, I think it could happen. I think Kyrie Irving's played for the last couple national teams. Yeah. Um, so I, considering his injury history this year and what's going on with the Nets, their deep run, I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't play. Uh, big question if, is if Giannis goes and plays for Greece because Greece looks like a completely different team whenever Giannis is playing Why for him. Why wouldn't he? That'd be awesome. I mean, he's still making a deep run into the playoffs. I mean, it's the same. Jokic, I mean, Serbia is usually making it up actually into like the knockout rounds whenever they have Jokic. But if Jokic isn't playing, like, who does Serbia have? Yeah, nobody. Yeah, so I mean, I don't think there's any threat to the U.S. national team no matter what, really. Um, but that's still a couple of months off. I know a couple names, though. Um, but we're going to be back tomorrow morning, Saturday morning edition at 7 9 here on ESPN Lincoln. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.